read something to you. Uh, we, you know, I, I've, uh, I, I've been, I've been uh, looking up some scriptures about Jesus in the church. And of all the places, you know, Ephesians 5 says that Jesus loved the church and he gave himself for it. And I found out the more I love the church, the more I'm able to do what Jesus wants done. And you know, if, if something starts messing with your love for the church, you can mark it down. It's not God. Because I'm telling you, the church, he will never dis... I've actually heard people saying today, when I say church, I mean local church. I've heard people saying things like, uh, well, you know, God's finished with the church. He's moved out of the church. Now listen to me. That is the most ungodly, devilish thing you will ever hear. God is not finished with the church. This is the church age, in case you hadn't noticed and don't know about it. This is not the age of Aquarius. This is the church age. It began when Jesus Christ breathed on them and gave them the life that he rose from the dead with. And honey, it began with a powerful infusion of his glory out of heaven. And I got news for you. He said he died for the church. He loves the church. And he's coming back for the church. So now, don't let anybody mess with your love for the church. We've been in uh, traveling ministry for 31 years now. And, but I want you to know something. We are not your pastors. There is no traveling ministry or television ministry that can be your pastor. The pastoral, uh, pastoral uh, uh, office is not, a, uh, is not an occupation. It is a calling. It's the calling or office of God. You could actually say it's the office that God is, has, has chosen you to stand in that fulfills the calling that God has placed on the church. That's really the purpose of it. The Bible says he gave gifts to the church in Ephesians 4 for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. He gave gifts to the church. Now, some people try to think, you know, try to, try to say that uh, their ministry is the church. But let me, you know, I actually, I, I want to read you something that, brother, you know, I'm visiting, I'm leaving tomorrow, so praise the Lord. But I'll just tell you something. If we don't focus on what God is doing today, we're going we're gonna to end up, we're going to wake up just tired and older, and we're going to miss the move of God in this land. But I'm telling you, God's doing something great, and he's doing something wonderful. And I got news for you. He's doing it through his church. Yes. He's doing it through his church. In Matthew chapter 16, before I read this, I know I've read this. Uh, it's one of my favorite portions of Scripture in the, the Gospels, really, in the New Testament. Because Jesus, as he stand, as walking on this earth, I just feel like we just need to make real clear. See, there's a lot of, uh, 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 there's a lot of uh, supplemental ministries. There's a lot of ministries that kind of leave it gray. You know, they make you kind of get the idea that, well, you can listen to me and it's just like listening to your pastor. No, no, it's not just like listening to no. your pastor. Listen, they're not anointed to be your pastor. They have a place, but just make sure they don't take the place of the church. 
As long as you have, as long as you understand their place, you're going to receive the anointing of God that's, that it, what's it's, what it's uh, on their life for. But if you try to give them the place of your, of your pastor, what will happen is you're going to misapply and misunderstand what they're saying. And I mean, I'm telling you right now, you will end up sitting in a lazy boy in your house on Sunday night and eventually Sunday morning, and you'll be watching something on TV and saying, that's what, you know, that's what my pastor ought to be doing. That right there. You know, if he could just be like Brother Doodad, then we'd be all right. And what you don't understand is Brother Doodad ain't going to ever come to your house and pray for your mama. And brother or marry Doodad your kids. Ain't never going to marry your kids. Ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen. And I mean, there are people actually trying to give you the impression that if you just give your tithe to them, that that will accomplish the work of God. But let me just tell you something. If you do that, what's going to happen is it will diminish what God is able to do through your local church. And I don't know about you, but just watching a television show ain't really enough to ring your bell. You know, this is not, this is not just a reality television show. This is living, breathing, moving, walking in the streets of Vider. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that's not so bad for my white girl from Oklahoma, is it? So, so Jesus, Indian, this land is her this land. This land is my land. So Jesus said it like this. Jesus said it like this in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. The first time the word church shows up is when Jesus is giving a clear understanding of why he is, he is here and what he is doing through his, as he uh, is uh, accomplishing his death, burial, and resurrection. And in Matthew chapter 16, he's walking with his disciples in uh, Caesarea Philippi, and he says to them, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And so they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Now, Jesus was not asking them who he was because he didn't know who he was. You understand? When Jesus is asking you questions, most of the time, he is not so he can figure out where he is. It's so he can figure out where you are. And so he's asking them. You know, uh, you know, uh, who do you say that I am? And it says, and Peter answered him and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And, and Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. What happened is Peter just got a glimpse by revelation. The light came on and he saw and he said that Jesus Christ was the son of the living God. He didn't have he didn't he didn't have the intelligence to figure that out. He didn't have the, you know, he, he didn't have the natural ability. It was a revelation by the spirit of God and Jesus said to him, that's your blessed Simon because you understand what God is doing through my uh, personal intervention into your life in my body, the word made flesh. I came and got in a body and the purpose of coming here, he said was so 
that God could reveal himself and live in the place you live, but not just live in the place you live, but go through that place and rise from the dead with victory over death, hell, and the grave. But you say, well, Jesus did all that. And, and you know, so, so, uh, but you know, he's gone back to heaven and he's in heaven at the right hand of the father. Yes. But what he did started a new day, a new time. And in Gen- and in Matthew 16, he begins to tell us exactly what the witness of this hour will be to all that he is and all that he's done through his death, burial, and resurrection. And he says to Peter, uh, uh, flesh and blood is not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter. Now it's getting real personal. This is who Peter is. Now listen to me, Christian. If you ever figure out who you are and it does not lead you to a revelation not only of who Christ is, but who the church is. Listen to me. Because the revelation of who Christ is always leads to the church. Because the church is where he, according to Revelation, is in the midst of the church with all his fire and all his glory and all of his brightness that he got through walking through death, hell, and the grave. He's in the midst of the church. I like how one translation says he is standing in the midst of the churches. Woo, glory to God. You always say, I don't even think Jesus is in church today. Well, you just don't know the Bible. Because the Bible says that's exactly where he's at. In fact, there's only one other time in the Bible when it talks about Jesus standing up. And it's in Acts chapter 6 or 7 when Peter or Stephen got stoned to death. And he saw the heavens opened and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. And then we look in the book of Revelation when John's in the Spirit. And he sees the Son of God standing in the midst of the churches. Glory to God. When he was talking about those churches, those were seven local churches. Yes, they had more than just, you know, their day that what, what, what God spoke about was more than just what they were doing. But you understand, always, always it's through the functioning of the local church that the reality, that universal reality is actually understood. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, otherwise, it's just a book on the shelf. I mean, otherwise, I got news for you. When, when nations go dark, it's not because the world, the people outside the church uh, uh, refuse to move with God. It's because the people in the church refuse to move with God. It's not, it's not because the people outside the church say, I don't, I, I, don't want, I don't want to hear anybody worshiping God. I don't want to hear anybody speaking in tongues. I don't want to see anybody shouting. It's not because the world does it. It's because the church does it. In 1908, there was a Berlin document that was signed, the Berlin Declaration. I've got got it in my notes here, but I don't have those notes pulled up. But in the Berlin Declaration, there was some very pious, holy church people who got together and made an official statement in 1910 about, or 1908 concerning the Pentecostal church, specifically the Pentecostal church. And they said, 
we deny it is of God. They called it of Satan. There was uh, the specific language basically said it is we refuse to let it have any part in Germany. Case closed. That was it. They did not recognize it as any part with God's, uh, God's hand on it at all. And I don't know if you know the rest of the story, but I'll tell you in case you forgot, Paul Harvey, Hitler came and he was the chancellor of Germany and he set up his evil, wicked plan to try to destroy the people of God and, and to just bring destruction into that whole, our whole time, that whole time in the country of Germany. Now, I don't know about you, but I believe that the powers of God are here to restrain and resist yes. the working of the, work, the evil one who, who is, whose whole purpose is to fill this earth with darkness so that no man can see and no man can believe. But the Bible says that it is the glory Christ in you that gives hope to the world that will fill the world with light and it will shine through the darkness. Listen to me. That is the mandate of the church. Do not let anyone, do not let anyone keep you from the place that God has called you to. And he begins to tell Peter here in, in, uh, 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 in, in Matthew 16, he says to you, I also say to you that you are Peter. In the Message Bible, it says it like this. God has let you in on the secret of who I am. Now I'm going to tell you who you are, who you really are. But I want you to watch it now because it's not just Peter. It's not Peter, it's what Peter is made for. And he says to him, he said, and I also say to you, you are Peter, and on this rock, on this revelation, on this light of who I am, I will build my church. And then he says this, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That word prevail means victorious. He said, let me just tell you, before you ever face the battle, before you ever face the giant, just know you're not going there to try to get victory. You're starting with the victory I will give to you. The church is victorious. We're not trying to get victory. Jesus got it for us. But it's the church that God is the divine instrument of God's strategic plan for this hour. The word church here, let me tell you, let me just give you a little information here. As your, as your pastor was saying, when you're in the know, then you can flow. I like that. It's true. I mean, you know, when the light comes on, honey, you quit bumping your head. You know what I mean? You say, well, it just, you know, I just, I just can't think right. Well, you just need a little light. That's all. And so he says, it says in uh, the word for church is the, the Greek word ecclesia. You know that word, E-K-K-L-E-S-S-I-A. Literally means called out ones or called together. He wasn't telling Peter, now you know, now that you know who I am, you just go and you just, you just watch some television show and you just worship me in your house and just, oh, have fun thinking about all that I've done. No, no, he said, Peter, now that you know who I am, you need to get yourself in position so that you can actually be a part of what I'm doing because I, it's not stopping with my death, burial, and resurrection. It is just beginning a new age of grace and glory and my glory, if 
Ephesians 3 says, will be in the church. So he says, he says, literally, the word church in Barclay's New Testament word notes, which my friend Rick Renner, a Greek scholar, said, you'd probably like this book, Lois, because, you know, it helps clear, you know, it's not all the stuffy speech. You know, it's real clear. It literally means a gathering of citizens called out from their homes into some public place. I like that. A gathering of citizens. Now, this is just a secular uh, definition. You know, it's not Christianized. It's just a secular meaning, which is actually the word ecclesia in its raw form. A gathering of citizens who have come out of their home into some public place. Now, I don't know. I just think it drives the devil nuts when the people of God decide to build the biggest building in the city. Because it just puts on display. The biggest thing happening here, brother, is not going on in the nightclub. It's not going on in the honky-tonks. It's going on in the church. Hallelujah. Called out ones. People, people who've been called together. Glory to God. The first occurrence is found here in Matthew 16. This word is used 114 times in the New Testament. 114 times. 90 of these references are to a local assembly of the church. Uh, uh, in other words, if you read through the New Testament, particularly the, the epistles, but all the New Testament, and the book of Acts, you see how every missionary journey was, the, was for the purpose of establishing, strengthening, and continuing, sustaining the local church. Amen. Every person who went on a missionary journey with the Apostle Paul, every person was known of the brethren, was a member of a local church. Every person. Woo, glory to God. I'm telling you, this will hogtie the devil, and I tell you, he won't ever jump again. Every person who had any part to play in any missionary journey was a part of a local church. You want to know why? Because world evangelism is the vision of the local church. That's where it comes from. That's where evangelism, and listen, real evangelism not only starts in the church, it ends in the church. In other words, if you got a big meeting, evangelistic meeting, and you never connect with a local church, your big evangelistic meeting is not going to help the plan of God. It's going to hinder it because it's going to cause people to get scattered. The Bible says without a sheep, without a shepherd, they were scattered. They were scattered. We don't want people to scatter. We want them to gather together. Hallelujah. When I say we, I mean that's what God wants. Hebrews 10 says that do not forsake the assembling of yourself together and much more the so as you see the day approaching. I believe that the assembling together of the believers in the church as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is very important to the coming back of the Lord Jesus. I believe just like John the Baptist was put in position to herald the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley filled, every mountain brought low, the crooked places made straight. I believe that just as John the Baptist was 
from his birth in his mother's womb, I believe he had a mandate from heaven to prepare the way for the first coming of the Lord. I believe through the power of the new birth, through being regenerated by the very living word of God, that we have been given the mandate to the coming to bring and prepare the way for the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We must herald the call. We must continue to let our voice be heard. And you are greater together than you are alone. But he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. 90 out of 114 reference uh, to a local public assembly with a preposition that denotes a fixed position in place and time. As 1 Corinthians 1, 2, the church of God at Corinth. Fixed positions at a particular place and time. Oh, it's no accident you're here, brothers and sisters. I'm telling you, it's no accident because I'm here to tell you what God is wanting to do through his church cannot be stopped by the enemy. It cannot be stopped. That's why he told us in Matthew 16, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Will not. You want to get a part, you want to be a part of something that'll keep you smiling till you take your last breath? Oh, Oh, listen. So here we go. So church in a Christian context, he goes on and says, it's an assembly of Christians gathered for worship in a religious meeting. Those uh, 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 who anywhere in a city or village constitute a company and are united together into one body. That deals with your function. When we start talking about the body, that's got to do with the function. And he says, the, and then, that's right. Okay. So let me give you one other scripture, and I'm going to read you one thing. And then, oh, I don't know if I have time to read these notes. Oh, let me read them real quick. Pastor, Brother Hagen said this on about the pastor in the local church. He said, there are two primary organizations or institutions that God has put his approval on. Number one, the home and family. He instituted that first. And number two, the church. Now, let me just tell you something. The home and the family, he put his blessing and he, his, his, he instituted that first. But if you make the home and the family take the place of the church, oh, you're going to be in a mess. And some people say, well, we just have church at home, my four and no more. Oh, you just, you just got things out of order. The family has the place. But when you cause it to try to take the place of the church, you're going to try to cause it to do something that it's not anointed to do. See, the church is not just a building. The church is contained in a building, and the building is set apart for a purpose. That's why the atmosphere in a church can be real conducive to someone receiving when maybe it's not all that conducive in Starbucks, you know what I'm saying. Atmosphere has something to do with the way you receive. That's why when you come in, you don't want to come in just to sit back with your arms folded and say, I don't even think, you know, I don't even know if I want to be here. Well, just change that attitude, you know. You can change it. You know, if you don't like that thought, get a new one. Just say, oh, I love you, Lord, and I'm so thankful that you're by your mercy and your grace. I have access to your throne room. And just begin to, just begin to stir yourself up with that. And honey, it won't be long till you'll, just be, you'll be leading the parade, you know what I mean? He said, have you ever noticed that the family and the church are the two things the devil attacks more than anything else? 
He said, people are always asking me, what is God doing today? As if God is going to do something new every day. One of the main things God is doing today is emphasizing the local church. But that's not new. It might be new to you. I mean, I know that, but it's not new. God has always put his blessing, approval, and emphasis on the local church. But because some of these things have gotten out of balance, he is re-emphasizing the local church to let us know it is a priority with him. You know, if it's a priority with God, guess who else it's a priority with? Amen. He said, actually, God is just directing us back to where we ought to be. This was written in around the early 90s. And I thought to myself, boy, we need some voices who will help to establish that truth. And it's very important what other ministry gifts say about the local church. You can't diminish it. You can't act like you don't need it. Honey, you better focus on it like God's focusing on it. If you want the anointing to stand in your place, you better understand what your place is and what your place is not. I'll tell you exactly what God wants to do in the body of Christ today. Number one, he wants to build strong local churches. Number two, he wants members of local churches to learn to flow in the spirit. Hallelujah. Woo! Glory to God. Glory to God. He said, Jesus, he said, the evangelist and the teacher don't have the same anointing on them to take care of the sheep and nurture them as the pastor. He said, that's the reason I take umbrage. That means it makes him mad with some of these teachers who downgrade the local church and encourage folks to be independent from a church body. Preach it, brother. They leave the impressions that folks don't need the local church. That is exactly what they do. It's just an impression, but because it leaves that impression, it causes great, great hindrance to the work of God. He said, so he said, one Bible teacher I know actually said to several pastors, and you probably heard it said yourself, I don't much believe in the local church. If folks will just listen to me on the radio and television, read my books, listen to my tapes, they can stay home and grow spiritually just as much as anyone who goes to church. But that's not scriptural. You're saying that you don't need a pastor. You understand when you say you don't need a church, you're saying you don't need a pastor. That's what you're saying. Because the pastor's place is the church. And Jesus set in the church pastors. He set them apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, teachers. But let me tell you something. Listen, without a pastor, all the other ministry gifts, are, they're not even needed. Without the pastor, they labor in vain. Now, that's what Brother Hagin said. He said, without the pastor, all the other ministry gifts labor in vain. You say, why? Because we, you may have an evangelist, but if you don't have a strong church to nurture that hunger and desire for God, honey, I got news for you. The devil will make sure that that commitment they made on the field in that evangelist crusade, that it'll just be, it'll be covered up. And if it gets covered up long enough, then there just gets real hardness that comes. And where there was tenderness to the things of God. They grow cold to the things of God. The one who makes sure that doesn't happen is the church. The pastor. Oh, I'm so glad y'all are shouting me down. He said, when I say God put his approval on the church, that means the local body, not someone's television ministry. That's not the church. I'm just reading this because, you know, I was showing you some things there and I just want you to know someone over me 
I had never read this until I was, I mean, uh, 2001, we were outside of New York City. We were supposed to go into New York City on September 11th, 2001, right at Battery Park by the World Trade Center around 845 in the morning, and that which, if you know, remember the day, around 850 or something is when the first plane hit, I believe, something around there. And at 1030 the night before, in a church meeting, about 1030, we're talking to the pastor. Pardon me? About 11 o'clock. We're talking to the pastor. He said, well, you know, we're going to get ready to go, take the ferry, blah, blah, blah. And I said, you know, Pastor, I, I don't think I want to go. We planned it for months. And, you know, we travel all the time. We don't take extra time on the road. I mean, we want extra time. We want it at home. But we just decided to take that extra day, September 11th in New York City, 2001. But that night before, we changed our plans in a church meeting. And the next night when we were preaching outside of New York City, I, I heard these words. I said, I didn't hear the audible voice of God, but I heard the voice of God say, build my church. Because I got news for you, honey. The strength of any generation is dependent on the strength of the local church. I don't care what the devil's got going. All I want to know is what are the people of God got going? Because the people of God got the trump card. You understand? They got the winning hand. The people of God, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Honey, don't let the devil bluff you out. He'll, he's just a bluffer. He'll bluff you out. You got the winning hand. You got it. You don't just got three kings, four kings. You got the king of kings. Woo! Hot dog, I'm telling you. You say, well, I don't think we ought to be shouting in church. Where do you want to shout? Where do you want to shout? NASCAR? The rodeo? Where do you want to shout? I don't know about you, but I know Jesus is coming back with a shout. And I don't think I'm going to sit back and be quiet. Woo! Oh! Well, I think you got the point of the meeting. Oh, glory to God. So this is the day and this is the hour. Oh, the people of God are rising up with fresh power. No, it shall not be as it has been. For I've got a plan and it begins and it has an end. And as you step forward in faith and believe, oh, you watch out. You watch out. Things will change you thought could never be changed. It'll work. It'll work where it didn't work. It'll go where it didn't go. It'll rise where it fell. For I am the one who has given you this day and I will stand and I will protect that which I've begun shall surely be finished and it shall be accomplished. Though you are weak, I am strong. Though you are small, I am great. Though you have limits, I have none. So rise up in strength for this is your day. We hope you've enjoyed this message by Lois Toucher and Cindy Duvall of Shekinah Glory Ministries. For more information about Shekinah Glory, log on to our website at www.shekinahglory.com. There you'll find our entire catalog of teaching materials, music CDs, and books, all available for online purchase. The website also offers our daily devotional, 
updates from the road, and our ministry itinerary so you can pray for us as we travel throughout the United States and overseas. You can also join our mailing list in order to receive regular newsletter updates of ongoing ministry projects. Thank you and God bless you for your support of Shekinah Glory Ministries. We couldn't do it without you. Truly, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord shall fill all the earth. This is Ray Toucher, speaking for Shekinah Glory Ministries. Thank you and God bless you.